to the premiere edition of The Model Railway Show. I'm your host, Trevor Marshall. And I'm your other host, Jim Martin. Between us, we want to put together a new kind of model railroad podcast, one that doesn't take up too much of your valuable modeling time, but one that will punch above its weight with interesting and well-known guests and thought-provoking topics. We'll tell you more about the Model Railway Show on our website as the program unfolds. But right now, Trevor and I are eager to get this train out of the station. Here's Trevor with our very first guest on our very first show. All aboard! O-Scale is one of the oldest scales that is still popular for indoor model railways. Some of the most influential modelers of all time were O-Scalers, including Milton Cronkite, John Armstrong, and Frank Ellison. But many modelers hear O-Scale and immediately think of the three-rail train set under the Christmas tree. In March of 2002, a new magazine appeared on hobby shop shelves to challenge that perception. It brought readers regular doses of fine model building in one quarter inch to the foot. That magazine is O-Scale Trains, and it's aimed at the state-of-the-art O-Scale modeler. We're joined by its publisher, Joe Giannavario. Welcome to the Model Railway Show, Joe. Thanks, Trevor. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Now, you recently conducted a reader survey about various aspects of O-Scale, and you've been publishing the results in O-Scale Trains. What have you learned from this exercise in general about your readers and about O-Scale modelers? The most interesting thing that we learned is that O-Scale is a pretty mature scale. In other words, over 81% of the people who responded to our survey were over the age of 50. And uh, so our our demographic is a little on the older side. The other thing is that O-Scale is a pretty diverse group. You have O2 rail. You have a new category that's maybe within the last five years, which is O3 rail scale. Then you've got Proto 48. You've got ON3, ON30, the narrow gauges, ON2. So it's really diverse group. The other thing that we found that was pretty interesting is that most people proto-lance. They freelance model, but based on a prototype. All right, that's interesting. One of the things that I noticed also in your survey is that uh, most of your readers either have layouts up and running or they've got them under construction. And I think that's great news for manufacturers that cater to the scale. From your perspective as a publisher, and you're talking to these guys about getting advertising and things like that, so I think you probably have a good handle on the health of the O-Scale supplier community. What's happening there over the past uh, decade that you've been publishing the magazine? Uh, Ready-to-run motive power and rolling stock are where the real big changes have been. O-Scale was always either scratch build or imported brass. And that's changed dramatically. Diesels from Atlas, from Weaver, die-cast two-rail steam engines, really high-quality plastic rolling stock. And uh, so that's, there's more of that now than there's ever been. Uh, we also have Atlas O, just about the time I started the magazine, made a big investment in two-rail track and switches, and that was a big impetus in, uh, for O-Scale two-rail. That also made a big difference in layout construction. On the other side, the craftsman-style kit manufacturers, they're the ones that have sort of suffered because people aren't building kits because there's so much ready-to-run stuff. But I guess that also makes the uh, the hobby more, or the, the O-scale more accessible to people in the hobby because the, the, the 
level of, of expertise that you need in order to get involved with it has, has been uh, reduced. Absolutely. The barriers are much lower to getting into two rail. I, I notice also that uh, it, in your survey that uh, eight in ten of the people that answered the uh, survey are over the age of 50. And as you just mentioned, we've had a lot more manufacturers bringing ready-to-run stuff available. Uh, a lot of that is uh, it represents modern railroading as well, which I always thought would appeal to younger modelers because we tend to model what we see. What's going on there? Is, it, is O-Scale a scale that people just tend to come to later in life, or are there other things that the community could be doing to attract a younger audience? Well, there's a couple of things that go on here. Um, I think O-Scale has a disadvantage. First is the very real situation where if a modeler, young modeler walks into a hobby shop, he is not going to see two rail scale equipment on the shelf. Most hobby shops, even a hobby shop that might carry Atlas O or might carry Weaver in three rail, they won't carry two rail equipment because they don't think there's a market for it. Next, there's a general perception when people say, I model O-scale, or if they say, I model O-gauge, the perception is they're doing three-rail trains. And uh, there's another perception that two-rail requires a huge amount of space, and I think all of those factors, they lead the younger modelers who are interested in model railroading to HO scale and N scale. HO because there's an enormous variety of equipment and N scale because you can build a really nice size layout in a very modest space. Now, so, this is something, though, that you've been addressing, I think, in the magazine, because I've been a long-time reader, and I've noticed that you've had a lot of articles by uh, people like Mike Cullum and uh, people who are doing smaller layouts. You've had your share of large layouts, too, but you're also showing a lot of small layouts to show what can be done in a modest space. Absolutely. Uh, the point, one of the things that I try to do is find people who are building modest to small size O-scale layouts to show modelers you don't have to have a coliseum to have a really nice O-scale layout. My editor, Mike Kogel, is a great example of a small, uh, modest-sized layout. He's building it in Proto 48, and he's got all the operation he could ever want. You've always said that O-scale trains, uh, the focus of the magazine is on craftsmanship, and uh, in response to the reader comments that you've had as part of this survey, you, uh, you've said that you're going to continue to advocate prototype modeling. Those seem to me like ideal starting places to reach out to people who are working in other scales, particularly in HO. I know I go to a lot of prototype modeler meets, and they've always been impressed whenever O-scale stuff shows up. What kind of HO modeler do you think is the ideal candidate for switching to O-scale, and, and what do you say to them when, they, when they're looking at it and maybe not too sure whether it's something for them? I I really think that O-Scale is the model builder scale. I mean, I've always been a model builder, you know, even from when I was younger and I started building first ships, then airplanes, then I started customizing cars. And in my late teens, early 20s, I really got involved with model railroading, even though I've had trains, Lionel trains, ever since I was one. But if you like to build models, then O-Scale is where you go for that. I once scratch-built a uh, Norfolk and Western 90-ton gun in O-scale at a styrene, and I gave it full brake rigging. 
you can't do that in N scale, or you can if you have you know micro tools, but it's very difficult. If you like to see the detailed nut bolt washers, if you like to have working details, O scale is where you go for that. Did you find anything surprising or unexpected about your readers when you were uh, looking at the results of the survey? Well, it, there were a couple of things. Um, one of the questions we asked was, what are your three favorite railroads? And I asked people to give the reporting marks, and I discovered that a lot of people don't know what reporting marks are because we got PRR, P period, R period, R period. We got Pensy, we got Pennsylvania Railroad. So uh, I think we, we need to have a little bit of education there on what that means. A couple other things. 83% of the people who answered the survey scratch build structures. And I thought that was pretty interesting. 55% scratch build their track work. That I was really surprised at. The other thing was the adoption of DCC in O-Scale, which has been very difficult because O-Scale trains tend to draw a lot more current amperage than, than HO and N scale. So finding adequately sized DCC decoders can be a problem. And about 50% of the people who answered the survey were using DCC. And the last thing that really surprised both Mike and I is that over 70% of the people liked O scale trains magazine just the way it is. They didn't want us to change anything. Well, that's perfect, and it sounds like a good basis for the next 10 years. Thanks for joining us on the Model Railway Show today, Joe. Absolutely, Trevor. My pleasure. Joe Janivario is the publisher of O-Scale Trains magazine. I'll tell you, Trevor, the older my eyes get, the better the king of scales looks. If only I didn't have so much... Well, you guys in the audience can insert your own scale size at this moment. You know, we all have our favorite scales, but we promise you that here on the Model Railway Show, there'll be no discrimination. We plan to talk about them all. That's right. And every couple of weeks, we'll be chatting with the movers and shakers in this great hobby, along with the everyday heroes who toil quietly away in their basements or garages or attics, doing great stuff. And so that you can find out more about that great stuff, be sure to check out our website, themodelrailwayshow.com. We'll be keeping the site updated with links relevant to our interviews, along with anything else we think is particularly neat. So visit our site often. Speaking of websites, if you haven't been to this next one, you really have to see it. Jim is with its creator, Carl Arndt. Well, if the average home layout is a turkey dinner with the trimmings, then what's a micro layout on hors d'oeuvre? If it is, I'll bet you can't take just one. Carl Arndt's the originator of the website micro-slash-small layouts for model railroads. I'm going to ask him if that's how he reads it. It boasts no slash. Is that, have I got it right, Carl? No slash. No slash. It's just micro-small micro layouts for model railroads. Micro-small layouts for model railroads. Slash is a whole other guy. Anyway, this website boasts about 1,500 layouts that can be built in a minimum of space. Carl beavers away at the site, producing two e-magazines every month. And fans from around the world eagerly await each issue of the small layout scrapbook. In a past magazine article, I described Carl's micro layout website as inspiring, amusing, and amazing. And I called Carl the doyen of micro layouts, a title that's likely to go unchallenged. Anyway, as you've heard, Carl is with us now from his home in Olympia, Washington. Carl, this is great. Thanks so much for being with us. Well, thank you, Jim. It's great to be here. It's I, a, you've, your article sent uh, 
hundreds of people looking to the dic- dictionaries to find out what a doyen is. Yeah, well, I... <laughs> including I, me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great website. It's one of my favorite time wasters, but only oh, in the nicest you. way. You understand that. I understand that very well. Thanks so much. It, it's been listed among the top ten model railroad websites in the world. Got any idea how many people visit it? Sure. Uh, we get about uh, 70,000 or so visitors monthly. Um, that's about three quarters of a million people a year, uh, and and uh, they come from about half of them come from North America, and the other half are from all over the world, some forty or fifty other countries. It's one of one of the things I'm really happy about is that the model railroading, and in particular model railroading in very small spaces, is uh, is popular worldwide. Well, and so- yeah. And your your website introduces so many people from different parts of the world to different concepts. Because yeah. I think before the advent of the web, people perhaps model railroaded in boxes. Ideas were developed in one spot but not found in another for a long time. I know people who absolutely wouldn't touch a European model, for example. And nowadays uh, they're, they're in shabby shops and, and people are using them and having fun with them. Well, we're Japanese more, models yeah. recently are becoming the, the N-scale stuff that they're doing is incredibly popular here in the United States. Well, it's a real eye-opener to go on the web and see the quality of models that are, come out of Czechoslovakia, for example, or sure. other countries. It's not just uh, not just China and uh, North Not just China and Korea, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is a contributor-driven website, isn't it? You depend very much on the people to show you what they've been doing. Yeah, but it's a back-and-forth kind of site. It really started um, oh, turn, about the turn of the millennium uh, as, as I had, was working on a new scale called GN15, which is uh, G-scale, uh, 122nd in size, but uh, on very, very narrow gauge, 15 inches in the prototype, which works out to very close to 16.5 millimeters, or the HO scale. With the kind of thing you might see on someone's private estate if you had lots of money. You bet, or in an yeah. industrial setting, or yeah. various others. And I, I put together the, what turned out to be the first layout that anyone had made in that size. Give us the square footage of this empire that you I was about to do that. It turned <laughs> out to be one square foot. <laughs> so I essentially had on my hands a G-scale, a working G-scale railroad, which uh, did actual work, hauled, uh, hauled aggregates from the, from the crusher to the dumping point in one square foot. Well, so I put it on my personal website and got started getting amazing amounts of mail from other people who thought that might be a great idea to have a little tiny railroad that actually worked and could keep you busy and make you, and help you have fun in this greatest of all hobbies. Were other people thinking along the same lines independently, or have you been an inspiration to a lot of your contributors? Well, both things are true. As I said, it's a back-and-forth thing. Uh, the English have been doing small layouts for quite some time. There's a fellow named Chris Krupa in Cambridge who, who uh, has been making them and exhibiting them all over Europe for uh, probably 15 or 20 years. But by and large, the general trend of model railroading has been toward filling basements, uh, filling attics or filling bedrooms, spare bedrooms and things like that with as much layout as you can possibly get. Uh, this is a different idea. The idea is that you can have a lot of fun in a very small space for very little money and uh, making it in, in a very short time, a relatively short time anyway. It's a new branch, really, of model railroading in that sense, and that's that's the... If I've made a contribution, that's that's it. Well, time for me to bait the bear, Carl. Can any layout as small as four square feet or less be called a real model railroad? <laughs> sure. That's what the website is there to prove, and uh, 1,500 layouts later, we're, I think, uh, demonstrating it pretty clearly. 
a, a micro layout is actually defined as a small model railroad that's less than three or four square feet in area, but that nonetheless has a clear purpose and excellent operating capability. In other words, it's a real railroad. It's a real working model railroad, but uh, in a very tiny space. What kind of tricks are employed to make these small track plans actually work? Oh, heavens. You can't have a number 10 switch on a one-square-foot layout, can you? No, in fact, uh, uh, the square foot, which is the name of it, the square foot estate railway uh, that I I built, a GN15 and a foot, has no switches, has no turnouts. It uses a, a, a trick called the fiddle yard, which is a backstage movable track that lets you uh, change out the stock or turn it round or things like that without the audience being able to see it. So the, uh, the train goes off, uh, you do things to it, it comes back as a different train. Uh, that's one of, the, one of the most popular tricks. It was actually invented in England, but is widely now used in, in uh, small, very small layouts. Incidentally, the, the, the generic name for these things is minimum space railroads. All right. And micro layouts is one example that I kind of invented that has to be four square feet or less. <laughs> and that's become a minor art form, designing very complex layouts in under four square feet. <laughs> so if I'm hearing you correctly, Carl, though, uh, a lot of the practitioners of this may have a larger home layout, but they just want to try something on the side, something new. Several, a lot of people write me notes like I have a, a, a half a mile of, of, of bare wood in, uh, nailed together in my basement that I'm trying hard to fill over the next 10 years. But meantime, it's been a heck of a lot of fun to, to build a, a little one-by-four-foot uh, bookshelf and have a switching layout that I can play with in the meantime. <laughs> you bet. Well, it's been a heck of a lot of fun for us, Carl, talking with you. In the minimum time that we have, uh, this is a minimum space interview, I guess. Uh, we can't begin <laughs> to describe the imagination and astounding variety of layouts you have to offer at your website. But I have one word for you, and I want you to respond. Shoebox. My favorite. Yeah. I invented, I invented a couple of years back uh, uh, using shoe. Box, a shoebox-sized layout. Uh, in fact, I, I commissioned a couple of my European friends to uh, to search the shoe stores in Europe to make sure what size their shoeboxes were. We settled on an international canonical shoebox size of 13 by 7 inches and 5 inches deep. We'll and send people to your layouts to fit in that size. There are a whole bunch of them on my website. Carl, we'll send people to your website so they can see how a layout can fit in a shoebox. You have a book that's for sale. That's listed on the website as well. You can find that there, no problems at all. Carl Arndt, it's been a great pleasure. Right. Thanks very, very much for having me, Jim. We've been talking to Carl Arndt. Carl's the originator of the microsite, or the website. I think it's a microsite, a huge microsite. Uh, Micro small layouts for model railroaders. He's a driving force behind the popularity of these tiny gems. Thanks, Jim. Like Carl says, everyone has space for a layout. Well, it's about time to wrap up the first edition of the Model Railway Show. Remember to check out our website for the links to Carl's website and to O-Scale Trains magazine. And we want to thank some great and hugely talented friends for helping make our dream a reality. Chris Abbott is our technical director. Our web design is by none other than Otto Vondrack, and our original theme music is by Dave Woodhead. We have their websites listed, too, so check them out. And be sure to buy Dave's new CD. Next time around, Jim will chat with Bob Brown, editor of the Narrow Gauge and Shortline Gazette. I'll be checking in on the state of the National Model Railroad Association as I speak with Bill Kaufman, who was recently elected as one of the vice presidents of the NMRA. That's two weeks from now here on the Model Railway Show. We'll see you soon. Take care.